Pop Culture Affidavit, Episode 67. Geek Recap, Summer Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Pop Culture Affidavit, a podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries, and this episode is the second of my two episodes covering the 2016 Baltimore Comic Con. Last time around, I covered the Kids Love Comics portion of the convention with Brett, who had come along with me. This time around, I'm going to be taking a look at the convention as a whole with a special guest, Professor Allen. He and his daughter Emily met up with me on the convention floor as we sat down la- and we sat down last week to talk about our con experiences. Plus, after that, I've got some bonus discussion footage, not from a con, from from Shag's visit to Charlottesville, where he, Stella, and I met for dinner back in August. And I'll close it all out with listener emails. But right now, I'm going to take a break and I'll be back in a few with Professor Allen and the Baltimore Comic Con. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast on iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. And we're back. Um, something that was sort of mentioned last episode and sort of not mentioned last episode was that uh, I was not alone or, or Brett and I was not, were not alone uh, when we were at the Baltimore comic con. And that is because about midway through the morning uh, I met up with uh, my guest and his daughter, you know him as one of the hosts of the short box showcase. He's also the host of the quarter bin podcast and he has been a guest in the show twice once to talk about adaptations and another time to talk about documentaries and this time around there's a lot less prep involved with this episode please welcome back to the show professor allen how are you very well Tom. i don't know about that i had to drive like a thousand miles round trip for this there wasn't a lot so, of research I mean, though <laughs> i mean come on that was i mean i just spend uh, how many hours that's a whole lot of quarters had to stay- <laughs> to stay at my sister's house for two nights that's no treat 
she doesn't listen to this. Anyway. Uh, I, I have a sister, and I totally understand. You know, I had to hang out in the car two days with Emily. And, okay, that part was good. But still, <laughs> I worked a little bit. For yeah. <laughs> so, um, I knew starting back as early as like last year that I was coming back. And then at some point in the fall, Brett had asked me, can I go with you? I was like, yeah, sure. So I, um, well, I said, yes, as long as there's something for you to do. Cause I wanted to make sure that the programming was halfway decent. Cause I honestly didn't want him to get bored. And he was a sport because that Dan Jurgens line, that was half an hour. And there's no ride at the end of the Dan Jurgens line. You know, it's not space mountain even though I told him that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I can't remember when you mentioned that you were going to go. Yeah, I think this must have been, you know, this is partly Emily's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've kicked around the traveling to something, to somewhere. And I think it was just, uh, you know, you've done Baltimore episodes a yeah. couple of times. And seemed like a comic centric show. Like I said, my sister lives about a half hour away. Uh-huh. It's it's drivable. Yeah. So in yeah. terms of the the only cost really is the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, Which even then I don't think is as expensive as some of the other no, no. shows. And not hard so, to get either. No. Yeah. That was true. Cause we, we made the call just a couple months mm-hmm. out when everything was was locked down and confirmed and Emily put in for her time off from work and, and, and all of that. So that's really, we started planning, I guess, earlier, yeah, six months ago sort of thing. Yeah. And then we pulled the trigger on the tickets and everything just, just a couple months ago. But it, but it sounded from what everyone said, and uh, spoilers, this turned out to be pretty true. Uh, a good comic-centric show mm-hmm. with generally a pretty nice attitude and it it has in my experience over the last four or five cons i think i'm on five now it has been um the one i think stumbling block they may have had this year was that it, it for the first time it was the same weekend as dragon con right down in atlanta and next year it's actually in later in later september and a lot of that has to do with um, the fact that, and I think I might have mentioned this in one of our conversations, um, I don't know where the Atlanta Convention Center that Mike, you know, goes to Dragon Con is located in the city because I have absolutely no experience with Atlanta. Um, the Baltimore Convention Center is within walking distance of Oriole Park at Camden Yards and then M&T Bank Stadium is on the other side of that stadium. Yep. So all of the parking in the area, if you have a game going on that day, is especially like a football game, is eaten up by the football game. So right. the logistics for the convention, it's just it's a quagmire that, that you that I don't think the convention organized. So they probably work around the Orioles and the Ravens, especially the Ravens. Like they want to do a non- uh, a, a weekend where they are not in town. Right. That having having driven there now, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. It's so so it does you know it does sort of move around September, and and like you said, this was the the same weekend as Drunken Con. I mean, yeah. what do you call it? Uh, Dragon, Dragon Con. Con. 
Oh, sorry. I, I, I meant hookup con. <laughs> um, I mean, but, but that is the reputation of Dragon Con. Yeah, yeah. Probably somewhat exaggerated, but, uh, you know, from what I could tell for this con, uh, for Baltimore, a lot of it certainly uh, manifesting in the, the events that uh, that you talked about last mm-hmm. episode with, with the kids' events. But yeah. just from the events to the retailers to even the vast majority of the cosplayers, you know, this was a, an open sort of an welcoming event for families, kids of all ages, as they say. Yeah, it's very family-friendly. And, um, I mean, my whole reason for going in the first place, it was the biggest convention that was local to me within driving distance. Because right. you were in Columbia? Right. Okay. Uh, and Columbia, Maryland is what, like about, it's about a half an hour. So, yeah, about, yeah, about 30 minutes. Yeah, because it's... Basically, Columbia and Ellicott City are like the midpoint between D.C. and Maryland and uh, Baltimore. Right. And um, I was in St- I was I'm in Charlotte, so I was staying in Stafford, which is about an hour and a half away. So it's another hour because it's yeah. so you know just made it about halfway to the con. Yeah, yeah. Your 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 way station. Pretty much my in laws' house. So that and that's one of those things. I didn't have to get a hotel room, and it is the cost of the ticket and a tank of gas and. Um, that's very convenient for me. And there's some other local, more local shows. There, there are a couple in Richmond that the Virginia Comic Con does, but they don't have the heavy guest list. And that's something that I've really enjoyed about the Baltimore Con because I've really checked off a lot of people from my list. I mean, like, I've gotten both Marv Wolfman and George Perez, and I'm like, all right. And I got the sketch. I'm like... You know, there's if if I really wanted to next year, I could only go into the convention with maybe five people that I wanted to meet. Um, I paid, I plunked down the money for Neil Adams this year because I was like, you know what, I'm and it was thirty bucks. I mean, but I had I I had set the money aside thinking maybe, (laughs) and I was like, you know what, and it there it was like first thing. 10 o'clock in the morning, there was no line. I was like, you know what? It's, he's not that old, but it is one of those, you know, how long. There's a sense where the clock is ticking. Yeah, I mean, like when I met Denny O'Neill, Denny O'Neill was way more frail than I figured he would be. (laughs) But I was like, all right, you know, and so it is, um, you know, I mean, I'll never, I will regrettably never be able to meet meet Stan um, because he's really stopped doing doing conventions, but the guy's like 90, 90, 91 years old. Um, but yeah, so I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And I, and I got my book signed and everything. Um, was that in that you, you've sort of got a pretty cool book yeah. that, that has a lot of, are they sort of essays by it, or about a lot of the creators and then you've, you've had them sign up? Yeah. So they, they are, um, it's called Leaping Tall Buildings. Um, it's from about seven or eight years ago, six or seven years ago. My wife got it for me um, for my birthday or Christmas or something. And it is um, a profile. It's interviews with the creators who are living and their experience in the comics industry. And then it is profiles of some who have had like Jack Kirby or, or, or um, and, and a profile of Steve Ditko um, or Joe Simon or somebody who is or Harvey P. Carr, for instance. So the people who they like the, the author selected, um, I think they have some, they're also sort of, 
I think there's also that connection to New York that's worked in there. Um, and there is some sort of picture of them or representing them that's taken very nicely. Um, with the ones who have passed on, it's uh, like with Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, it's something super or Golden Age Superman related. With Steve Ditko, it's literally the door to his place, <laughs> which is clever. But I, I brought it with me in 2012. And because I was like, oh, I can collect signatures in this book. And the first couple of people I got were Larry Hama and Walt Simonson. And uh, Simonson was like flipping through the book and was like, oh, this is really cool. You know, I hadn't seen this um, since I remember doing the interview. And, and, and uh, at, when I had him sign, I had him sign my uh, X-Men and, and Teen Titans thing. And his wife was, you know, Louise was with him, but she was actually there at the table. They were both at the same time and they're both looking through it. And then, so I have this big Simonson dinosaur signature because um, that's what his signature looks like uh, on the bottom of the page of, you know, so, so I've, what I've done over the years is I've gone and brought this with me and I, and I go through the guest list and I look at anybody who might be on it. And Neil Adams was on it and I brought two things for him to sign. And I was like, I didn't know how much it was going to be. I was like, was it $30? And it was, so I only had him sign the one thing. The other thing I brought, if it was, if, if his price had been lower, if it was like 10 bucks, I would have, um, also had the poster from Robin number one, the of Tim Drake in the Robin costume, because right. um, I used to have that poster on my wall in my bedroom, and uh, I was like, I wanted it again. And I found that issue in like a dollar bin, and I pulled the poster out again. So I was like, well, I can have him sign it if it's if I can afford it. And I couldn't, but I got the book signed. So I've had him. I've had Danny O'Neill, and I've had a couple of newer people as well. Um, ben Temple Smith signed it. I had Dean. Um, oh my God, he draws the fox, and I'm I'm blanking on his name. Crap. Anyway, uh, Paul Pope signed it a couple of years ago, and uh, well, actually, the funny thing about Paul Pope signing it was Paul Pope was wearing the exact clothes that day that he was wearing in the picture. And he just looked at, he was just laughing about it. And Jules Pfeiffer signed it last year. So it's been really cool because I have just this book with all these signatures in it. So, and, and it's, it's a, it's a great book to flip through. So I'm getting up to the point where I'm, I am starting to run out of people though, uh, because they're either dead or they're not signing or they are not the type of people who make regular appearances at the Baltimore Comic-Con. So. And for me, this was my first big con of, of this scope and magnitude mm -hmm. uh, you know growing up it was you know the dealer type shows yeah you know, yeah i went to a couple of those one day too. in the basement of the holiday inn oh i went to at least one or two in a mall and then one in like an industrial park back in like <laughs> 1993 and it was like it was like this obviously warehoused something at some point and here's like a bunch of tables folding tables with a bunch of short boxes on them and it was like way too big for the amount of people there, cavernous, <laughs> oh, full I, of '90s X-Men books. <laughs> I did a, exactly. I I managed to do a little bit of prep this year. There was a local uh -huh. small press Comic Con here in Columbus, and so that was a good intro to me. But this was obviously on a different scale altogether. Yeah. Emily 
has probably been to four or five cons of this type. She and her buddies do a Hayakon. Yes, uh, I heard you guys talk about that. Every year or so, a uh -huh. manga, manga and anime con. Uh -huh. and I think they've gone to the Mid-Ohio Con, the Wizard World show, at least once. So uh, between her and you, you, you two were my, my senseis on this one. Oh, cool. I hope I gave you some good advice. I'm, I'm... The parking was the best advice. Yeah. To be honest. That was good advice. Yes. Um, for those prepaying pre for the or reserving the spot for your parking. Yes. Um, if you're if you're listening to this, and I God, I don't know how many people listen to this podcast, but if you are a person who listens to this podcast and you are thinking about going to Baltimore Comic Con, Baltimore Comic Con has paired with um, a local online company called Parking Panda. And it's an app you download and you can search out garages in that city. And I think they operate in some other cities in the country. And you can prepay for a full day of parking in a nearby garage. And the garage I was at was near the Baltimore Arena and it was on Lombard Street. So it was basically like a block over and like a block and a half or two blocks up. Like a block over and a block up, basically. And um, I think it cost me like 12 bucks. Yeah, it's 12 or 15. Yeah. And, yeah. Four Eleven is about two blocks over yeah. and one block up. Now, one one thing I, I, I did learn mm -hmm. on this one was my thinking with finding the right parking garage mm -hmm. was mostly just about the orientation of the front door of the Coliseum, uh -huh. the convention center, because yeah. I didn't want to park, oh, this is only one block away, and then but it's then you have to walk around the entire convention center. This is true. But... The one tactical mistake we made, and I don't know if there were parking spots that, that would have avoided this, mm -hmm. but the location that we ended up with took us right past the convention. Uh-huh. Past two sides of the convention. Oh, uh, yeah, there's... And those two blocks took about 15 minutes. Yeah, that... So if we could have found a place before you actually get to you know, one block before mm -hmm. the convention center instead of a couple blocks after. Yeah. Would have actually saved us 10 or 15 minutes of driving. Yeah. Because we got, we got next to the convention center about 9.30 and got to our parking spot about 10. Yeah, and for me it was, you see, you cross the street and you go, you make a left and it's a block up. And... That was easy for me because it was like, you know, when you come back, you're basically in front of it and then you have to go block over across the street one more time and, and, and you're good. And the other thing, um, uh, I, you know, I went to college in Baltimore and one of the things I knew very, very well because I had a girlfriend who lived in Virginia was how to get out of Baltimore. And I knew that right. Pratt Street only goes one way and Lombard it's, and it's like any other city that big, you know, you have streets that go one way and have streets that go two ways. And to get out of Baltimore, I used to, cause I used to have, I was up in, I was at Loyola. Loyola's in Northern Baltimore. And if you've ever been on the campus of Johns Hopkins university, the main one, go one mile North and you're in Loyola, Maryland, literally one mile. They are one mile apart from each other. So I used to have to take 80, I would take I 83 all the way into downtown and go down Lombard Street and make a left by the arena, and then I'd be on what I think it was like Howard or whatever. What eventually becomes 395 out of Baltimore onto 95. Right. So 
I knew that pulling out and making a, a, a right onto Lombard Street out of the garage, I was like two blocks from making the left and then I'm right on 95. So that was the other thing. I was like, I knew exactly how to get out of the city. And that makes sense too. But the, but that part, see, that's something I'm, I'm just not used to going and parking on the weekends in big cities. And I didn't, and I didn't, you don't have to, yeah. You, you don't have to pay to park downtown in Richmond. Yeah. You still have no, no. On, on a Saturday, really. So that, that, that piece of advice, that foreknowledge yeah. of reserving a place, yeah. that would have been incredibly stressful to not have done that. And in hindsight, I would have said, I should have said, because the parking panda thing was something I only, um, I only found out about last year. Uh, the last, the first couple of years I did it, I, there was a one at like a parking garage right by a Hyatt where I was paying about you know 20 bucks or something a day and I would pay cash when I would just get there really early in the, for future reference, I'm like, okay, if, if we ever do this again, I will, I can send you <laughs> the address of the garage. Like, it was like, oh, I should have told you where, where I was because that's a good garage to park at because of its location in the proximity to the exit from the city. And then. Just forgetting, you know, I take for granted sometimes, I think, what the traffic is like in um, the D.C., Maryland area because I lived in Arlington for so many years and I also went to college in Baltimore and I've traveled through that corridor up to my parents on Long Island. So I, I do my best to know what times to avoid certain, you know, travel and that's why I let Brett and I left at like six thirty in the morning, and yeah. we were there at eight, and we got our press passes. Well, I got my press pass, and they let him in free, and and we just kind of sat there, and he had his iPad, and I had my books, and we were just chilling and talking and stuff, and then you know, and then we went in, and and I told I had prepped him for that. I'm like, we're gonna be sitting around, you know, and he was really cool about it. Um, but that's because not for me, not the not the traffic surrounding Baltimore, but like. Northern Virginia is just a, a nightmare. Um, anybody who listened to this episode last year knows my rant at the very end of the episode where I literally was in the car. Brett was not with me, of course, but I pulled into Northern Virginia. I got back on 95 after being on Route 1, and I hit traffic right away, and I just I lost it. I was like, I'm so glad I moved away from here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I grew up in, in suburban Maryland. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the Washington area, so know the Beltway well, mm-hmm. and that is definitely. Uh, yeah. There are times to, but there are very few times when it's. Yeah. <laughs> when it, when it's an easy drive, but but for us for Baltimore, it was just a pretty much a straight shot up ninety five, maybe yeah. fifteen miles, and it was Saturday morning, which which did help. Yeah. So you um you guys drove from Columbus to Columbia, um right. now, when I'm doing that drive alone, I will have my playlist, my podcast. Sometimes I'll actually do some recording in the car. And I was with Brett on the way home. We did a little recording and I just had a, a pretty, I have a playlist of music he likes. So we listened to that on the way up and on the way down, I think I played some innocuous playlist cause he was busy reading and relaxing and stuff. So nothing that was too, you know, offensive. Um, what, what do you guys listen to? on a long trip? Cause I'm just kind of curious. Like, do you have podcasts you were listening to? Do you just throw in an audiobook or cause Ohio to Maryland's gotta be at least four to five hours, right? Yeah, it was about, it was about six and a half. Okay. Yeah, six and a half hours. And, uh, we did a little bit of podcast prep, just chatting about, uh, you know, upcoming short boxes and darkness to lights. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't live here. She lives, she's 
has an apartment um, for about a year now, so I might see her every couple times a week. It's about 20 minutes away, but uh, you know, she, she's not here all the time. Yeah. And so we were just, you know, doing a little bit of catching up and chatting about up, upcoming stuff. Uh, we did have some podcasts uh, to listen to, music, a little, little bit of everything. Yeah. Did you guys have uh, now? She went to a a um, she went to a panel. Um, Brett and I did the the kids stuff, but I just, she went to one of the panels. Yeah, she's a, a, very interested in the cosplay side. Uh huh. And they had three uh, panels in a row. Uh, one was. Cosplay on a budget. Mm-hmm. They bookended with that one, and I think a, like a, a more general DIY gotcha. uh, cosplay. But the one, but she's sort of pretty good at those two things. It was the one in the middle that she wanted to go to. That was about, was about making foam armor and foam swords. Hmm. It was, it was, a, it was a, a, a more specific yeah. uh, tutorial. And but by the when she got there, there. They weren't there. Huh. I'd, I'd heard that from someone who int- who had intended to go to the first panel, and they weren't there. It was delayed or something. So I don't know if huh. just that group of people who were going to do the panels. Yeah. It was obviously you know one group was doing all these panels. Okay. Uh, if if they had or one person if they weren't weren't able to make it or something. Yeah. So. That's a bummer because I, I I've I sat in on a panel last year or two last year two years ago with about the comics code. The CBL, CBLDF was hosting it, and it was about the it was about the latter days of the Comics Code, and, and Denny, Denny O'Neill and Jim Starlin were the um, the guests. Denny got held up, and I, that I understand. Like that happens sometimes. Like I don't know how he, he got held up with something, and and he was unable to actually make the panel. And Starlin basically was there and uh, had told some great stories and stuff. So it was a worthwhile panel, but it is a little frustrating when, okay, you're, you're not a creator who's getting held up with, I don't know, your table got really crowded and they're trying to get you out of there and you're going to be late or whatever. You're like a cosplay panel and that's kind of your showcase. Right. So that, that that can be, I mean, I I haven't had the experience, but you know, and I, I'm sure you can relate to this. um, The, bewilderment envy and just uh, like just awe that i feel toward mike bailey doing panel hosting panel after panel after panel at dragon con and i'm just like that would be one of the coolest things ever (laughs) and if you told me you're gonna do a panel about podcasting or you're gonna be on a panel about the new teen titans I'd be there twenty minutes early. <laughs> yeah, this is no, it's it's like a class, right? We're yeah, for our classes. Oh no, <laughs> eh, different, different, yeah. Uh, yeah, different viewpoint, I guess. Yeah. And I felt bad that, like, I think I, if there's one word that I can describe the entire day, and you can probably agree with me, it's it's a whirlwind. Yes, and there's a lot that goes. So I felt bad that we didn't really get to sit down, and that's why we're we're, we're we're talking tonight. Yeah. We didn't really get to really sit down and talk a podcast because it was just everything going on at once. And I felt bad. I, I, I kind of talked to Emily a little bit and I didn't really get the chance to really talk to Emily. And I felt terrible because, um, I was looking forward to meeting her 
And so, so send my apologies because I wasn't trying to be rude or anything. And and I had a kid with me, and that's another thing. Where and I'm not trying to blame him because he had a great time, and I'm I'm glad I got to share the experience with him. It was a really cool thing to do, but at the same time, it is just sort of this like well, you, you, crazy thing. I mean, you you talk about not having a chance to to sit down and chat. Mm-hmm. There was not a place to sit down. Period. Mm. That is true. From what I could tell, I. Between getting out of the car and lunch, it was all on my feet, yeah. standing and walking. There are, in the past, before they started adding that huge section for the celebrity guests, mm. that section was tables and chairs, like food court right. tables and chairs. Right. And, and there, there was a little bit in the food yeah. court area, mm-hmm. but not a, uh, not a lot of not not a lot yeah. of sitting down. To get to really anything like that, you had to go off the convention floor, up the escalators, right? And there, there were some lounge areas. Yeah, and, at and one point quiet. I thought about that. Yeah, but we ended up leaving about. I mean, it, it runs ten to seven, six or seven. Yeah, ten to six, and we probably left three thirty. And we were there for about another hour after you. Yeah, and, and we were. I think speaking for uh, for her as well. I know she got. Other than that, that panel that, that mm-hmm. didn't happen, she got everything signed she wanted to get signed. Mm-hmm. Saw everyone she wanted to see. Yeah, uh, there were a couple that I I didn't get to, but I was very satisfied with who I saw and what I what I did and what I got. And like you said, that was a that was an exhausting six hours for me. Yeah, let's talk about signatures because that's that's yeah. one of the things I love to to do. I I have this thing where um I when I first with well, I maybe a couple months before and they, and they they're always adding people to the list almost maybe a few weeks up to the con but because Terry Moore was originally not going to go and then he decided right. to go and I was so psyched about that but I what I do is I'll print it out at one point and I'll just go with a highlighter and I will be like who do I have stuff by that I would want to get signed and it ends up being a ton of people and then I narrow it down from there well here's my here's my process mm-hmm. This was insane because I'm basically starting from scratch. Yeah. Because I haven't been to numerous conventions before. Yeah. And so I had the Comic Con list up. Yes. This was this may have been late August. I, th- I think it was the day I was watching the Olympics. Okay. It was still on. So it was that, and then I had the list. I had a Comic Book DB up. Mm-hmm. And a list of the comics I own. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that there were big names who I knew I had certain books of, mm-hmm. but I went systematically copy and pasting every name into Comic Book DB and seeing if I had anything by that creator. Because if you're talking inkers or you're talking, I mean, yeah, even even some of the big names, I I didn't know that Howard Chaikin did a Doom 2099 cover. Huh? I was working from memory. <laughs> yeah, I googled that up and I found that as okay. That is one that's going. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I had the Blackhawks. Yeah. I didn't have that. But that, to me, that that was a winner. You know, realizing that, learning that he had done a cover of one of my favorite titles. I, I brought... And, 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 sorry, and, 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 yeah. and there were other, you know, a lot of smaller name creators mm-hmm. whose names I didn't necessarily recognize. Yeah. But who had some work that it turns out that I had. Yeah. I combed through Artist Alley as well. Because yeah, I did not make it make it that far. Um, a couple of years ago, I got there were a couple of names in Artist Alley that I noticed. One were um, and they were there this year too. Brendan and Ryan Frame, who wrote the first book 
before Mike Norton took over the art of The Waiting Place, which I, or Sean McKeever wrote, um, his indie that really got him noticed and got him more more mainstream work. And I covered that way back in episode 49, I think it was. Um, and then Wayne Van Zant was an artist alley a couple of years ago. And this was after I had interviewed him and I had both books of um, Katusha and... Uh, or, no, I bought both. I had both books of Katusha on PDF, so I think I bought both of them right at there. the convention because he had them, and then I brought a bunch of non-comics to sign. So that that was important to me because I was like, you know, I interviewed this guy and I wanted to meet him face to face. And uh, yeah, I remember it was him and Isherwood and a couple other people. I got a bunch of non-comics signed that year, but but yeah, Artist Alley. Every once in a while, you find someone you might recognize because they're just not on the status of the thing. And and and. Just- the part that drove my wife crazy uh, was as I grabbed these books, mm-hmm. I slipped into each of the bags, you know, the name of the creator, yep. the creators, what they had done, and their table number. Uh, I didn't go that far. I just then put I, a... Then I arranged them in some sort of order. So did I. That I thought maybe I would get around if I work around, then I cut in here. Mm-hmm. And of course... As hopeful as that planning was, things happen, of course. Yeah. Did you do the map change. thing? You have to be flexible, yeah. and, and I had the map. Yeah, because, like, you know, they're not always there the minute you get there, or the line's big, or, you know, I mean, now, granted, some of them are clumped together. Right. We're like, we actually saw that, um, I think it was Kevin McGuire moved. Mm-hmm. He was on one side, and he moved and ended up sharing room with Giffen and DeMatteis. Yeah, yeah, sense. yeah. And uh, and then and then, I don't know about you, but there are certain parts where it's really easy to keep your bearings. Um, the creator side, it is because you can clearly see the booth numbers. Or there are certain landmarks, like the Tower of T-shirts. I actually bought something from the Tower of T-shirts this year. I got this really. Oh, it's this great! It's this great DC T-shirt with. Um, it looks like a panel layout, and it's like Batman, Superman. Um, Green Lantern, The Flash, Wonder Woman, and Green Arrow. And the Batman and the Green Arrow, I think the Batman's and Neil Adams, the Superman, I don't know, the the Wonder Woman's about Brian Bolland, um, the, the Green Lantern is Pat Broderick. So it's like, I could totally tell, they're all from actual comics and comics covers, so it's like, I could totally tell, and I'm like, I want that. And then Brick got a hat. Um, <laughs> So, so that was the only time I ever bought anything. And their Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi in the convention floor sucks because it's in the basement. It's like, gotta fix that, guys. And however many thousand people. Yeah, but then there's like the Boom Studios table, which is an easy landmark. But once you get into the retailers, I got lo- I got turned around a couple times. There were. There, I was looking for. I think I I, I may have talked to you about this. I was yeah. looking for Ron Mars. Mm-hmm. And I'm, he was there because I know he was at a panel later in the day. Yeah. I'm still not convinced that his assigned table he was at. Yeah. I could not find it. I, um, and Mark Wade had to cancel, um, but I had, I had made the mistake at one point of I bought a couple of Marvel Essentials for like five bucks a piece. I bought an X-Men and an X-Factor that I needed and I left them at the booth and I'm in line for something I look different. I'm like, where are those two books I've just bought? I said, buddy, we got to go f- get back to that table. Is it okay? He's like, okay, yeah. So we went and I'm like, I'm, and I'm starting to panic. I'm like, should I just ten- spent $10 and I flushed away and I couldn't find the booth. And I finally was like, okay, where was it? What did they look like? And I saw the cash register. I saw the guy. I said, 
And I said, I think I left two books here. He said, yeah, you walked away and, and I tried to flag you down and here you go. We, we, we thought you'd come back. I was like, thank you. But it was like, I'm like, it, it was like I was completely lost. And there are certain booths you notice because it's like the golden age comic booth on the corner and all that. And, and, it, and you drool a little bit over. There was one where they were sitting right on a shelf and they're like, they're half price. So it was like a $300 comic for $150. It was like an old Shazam comic or something. And, and I, I, you could pick them up. So I just, I held it. It was one of those things like you see pictures of like small Pataro, small Pataro, Paul Spataro holding like amazing fantasy 15 and has a picture with it. And cause it's like CGC grade and everything. And I'm just holding this and they're like, Oh, it's a really good one. I said, yeah, I don't have $150, but I just wanted to see what it was like to hold a comic this old. And I put it back on the shelf. In, in terms of the uh, of, of the signatures, what I thought was just interesting was the people that I thought were big names yeah. versus the people who actually had really long lines. Mm-hmm. You sort of realize you know, sort of where the mainstream is versus where you are. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm sure even at, at your point, ha- having gone to multiple cons, you know, there are people who you want to see yeah. who aren't on the top of everybody else's list. Yeah. And just that was just sort of an interesting experience to see where, and where it, my fandom fits in with everyone else's. Yeah, and sometimes they line up because, like, I mean, Perez, anytime Perez, and Perez was at Dragon Con this year, he's always going to have a long line, and I stood in that line. Um, Jim Starlin has always had a long line. I was able to catch him right after lunch. Yeah. So I got in his line when he was yeah. not there yet. Oh, that's cool. And I was like yeah. fifth in line. Yeah. It was like just like a 10 minute wait for yeah. him to get there. Walt. So that wasn't bad. Yeah. That one wasn't bad. Walt Simonson does. Simonson was the one I couldn't, I could not, no. I, I couldn't do. But, um, uh, but like, I would look, Wolfman, when I was there, had a long line, but I managed to be like, I, I, it was one of those things where I anticipate this being a long line. So he's going to be first on my list, you know, and things like that. So, um, so who were your, who who are you shooting for and then who you got? Like, who are your big... Who are you very, very happy? I think we lined up on a few of them. We can talk yeah, about well, a couple of them. You know, one of the first ones I wanted to make sure I get to... I mean, there are a couple of uh, smaller names al- along the way yeah. ones that were just sort sort of fun to get. But Howard Chaikin was the first one... <laughs> oh, my God, Howard ...that Chaykin. I wanted to get. And turns out, boy, does he like to talk, and he has a well-developed... Uh, Routine, he he works blue. Let's just say <laughs> that he's and and we went twice to him because um, I had gone to see Neil Adams, and um, and then he was right down the 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 row from Neil. He wasn't very far from Neil Adams. He was right by the Tower T-shirts, and he holds court. Exactly. And and like I don't think Brett heard half the stuff he was saying at one point Brett went over to the uh, virtual reality thing that was right across the booth from him like that Temple University was putting on and he's wearing the virtual reality glasses and but we went to him in the morning and then I was like well and then we looked at I looked at the my watch I was like well your thing's starting soon so we hopped off the line and we came back later but yeah um, he really likes Broadway plays by the way <laughs> I mean, but he just seemed like such a New York guy he seemed like oh my he had god a- yes he had a New York patter going, mm-hmm. you know, like like he was a you know, street salesman of some kind. He, he reminded you know, me if, of a... if, 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 if it were a an, an older age, he'd be hawking something on the streets of, of New York as uh, you know, someone would 
you know, I, I was for him, I was fifth or sixth in line. So, you know, you hear him interact with these people. Yeah. And it's, you know, good morning, Mr. Jacob. Well, I have. It's a little too early in the day to decide that, son. <laughs> or, or and then the, he, he the looked down the, the third or yeah. fourth person. Said, Good morning, Mister Jacob. Well, it's a little early in the day for me to commit to that. <laughs> yeah. you know? and then he, he had this routine. He had this pattern. Then he looks down the line. He's like, "Oh God, come here! I, I feel, you know, like and and um, he he could be one of my relatives. I'm not, I'm not Jewish. He's Jewish. I'm not Jewish. But you know, the difference between Italian and Jewish sometimes is not very much." Especially when you're talking New York, but oh man, it, it was, it was. It, there were parts where I was uncomfortable because I had a kid with me, and I'm like trying to. I was like, I said at one point, I looked up like, you do not repeat anything you hear. Um, but at the same time, I was like, this is fun, because I, you know, because I like, because I grew up around people like that, and sometimes I like hearing them. You know, my father talks like that sometimes. Not that, not that. Something. I mean, he'll curse, but not on the level of Jaken. But my father will ramble. Usually it's a story about how somebody pissed him off, but um, and there's a lawn and, and somebody needs to get off that lawn. But but yeah, check it. Uh, so what did you get? What did you get signed? Because I got both. I, I got my uh, my Leaving Hell Buildings book, and he even pointed out that like you know that was eight years ago. Look at me now, and he signed it, and and he very graciously signed. Shout out to Robin Shag. Um, nice. He did the covers for Who's Who in Star Trek. And uh, I brought those, and he signed uh, those. Because I don't have a ton of his stuff. I've read some stuff the, over the I years, the but Black I don't Hawk. have... I got the Blackhawk uh -huh. uh, you know, prestige format. And then, you know, again, I just sort of stumbled upon the fact that he had done a Doom 2099 cover. Mm -hmm. and, and, and had him sign that, so it was a yeah. brief one. And I think at that point, Emily was with me. And uh -huh. just the timing, we wanted to head from there. I guess she was getting ready to head to her what ended up not being a panel. Mm -hmm. But so we swung by the other side of the convention center and, you know, we we're going to split up at that point, but I was going to walk with her over to and just check out the lines for Giffen and David Tejas. Yes. Wired had gone over there because she had some Justice League stuff. And there were no one was there. No, no. It was like 11.30, 11.45. It wasn't first thing. It, and that was the one like, okay, okay. Three guys, I'm figuring it's going to be a 15-minute wait for each one. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, let's go over there together. When your panel goes, you can leave. I mean, I'm just working this through in my mind. Yeah. You know, how, how we're going to work this out. And she walks up and gives a couple books to Giffen. He says, oh, uh, yeah, J.D. worked on this. He, J.M. worked on this. He he, he hands it to Demetrius. Yeah. Let's go down the line. Why did this cover? Okay, here, Kevin. Kevin, come over here. It was like a 45 seconds. Yeah. Well, not only that, I had and all three of them had signed everything we had. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. And they, to me, these guys are superstars. I know, I know, and I had McGuire sign something that, um, and then I and I I was putting I had gone over to one of the tables that was unoccupied at the moment so that I could kind of regroup and get all my stuff together and I realized I had forgotten to give him one of my comics and there was nobody I said I'm sorry I knew you just signed some stuff but I, I meant to have you sign this and he was like no I don't mind and, and, and all three of them are very nice yeah yeah and, and like um, I said according to the original layout McGuire was on the other side mm -hmm. of the room and obviously he had moved to yeah. hang out with his buddies that's pretty much yeah. what it seemed like they were doing um, I had I I I had a couple of interesting conversations with them, not with McGuire so much. I got him to sign the the remaining Teen Titans covers. 
Um, one of which I had intended to get Adam Hughes to sign, but he was every time I went by his booth, he was it was either a long line, or um, he wasn't there. And Allison Sun was there, but I wanted I had two things to get Adam Hughes to sign. One was uh, the Teen Titans number one with Red Wing, because he drew the interiors, and the Betty and Veronica number one, which makes me feel dirty like his art's so good but at the same time i'm like i should not be reading it's like this is so dirty old man territory because i I bought the first issue because i was like this i heard so many good things and i like adam hughes and, and it's been so many years since he really he did covers just covers for so many years and I had a couple. Oh, the other thing I had him sign. I wanted him to sign was was a book, and uh, so he wasn't there. But but um, McGuire signed the rest of my Team Titans number ones, a, a Titans sellout special cover, and then I think a couple of Who's Who pages from the Binder edition, which is another thing that I've loved bringing because they're just like this is cool. And I asked Giffen. I had him sign some ambush bugs. I love that. And I asked him about, um, I had him sign the Who's Who Binder one, which is unique because he's the only, because you know how they had categories in that Binder edition, where if you look at the back of the Who's Who entry, there's a there's a border and it's a color corresponding with the category. So red was heroes, black was villains, blue was supporting cast, events, aliens, etc. Well, the, the one for Ambush Bug is checkered black and white and it says comic book character. And I asked him about it, and he basically said, this is something we did at the last minute. And I said, you know, and, I, and then I got a little too nerdy. I was like, yeah, I, I always put this all the way to the back of the thing, but I had my own little divider that's a comic character when I was, like, 13. But I thought it was kind of funny, because it's always been one of my favorite entries, because it's just total ambush bug making fun of a who's who. The other ones that uh, you know, I thought would be would be bigger names, big stars, I mean, big fables fan mm-hmm. and so I brought my three favorite stories 73, 74, 75 so uh-huh. ending the first release, the first half of the of the run Yeah. and uh, for Mark Buckingham and Andrew Peepoy uh-huh. and again nobody there yeah Ben Temple Smith and I guess you know, that, that's sort of an obscure one I guess yeah I don't know fables I guess because it wasn't Bill Willingham yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Buckingham's done a bunch of stuff yeah. that's been associated with like Neil Gaiman as well, yeah. and I have some stuff he did for the Titans. And again, he's always one of the ones that I end up cutting because I want to get mm-hmm. other people. Right. Yeah, um, Paul Pelletier was another one, um, and yeah, there were others where I was like, I was not, I was genuinely surprised. Um, I was, I would yes and no on Neil Adams because I think people, some people will stay away from his booth because of the fact that he charges about 30 bucks an autograph unless you buy something and then it's just, you get the autograph with the thing. And I gave him the book and he said, I have to run to the restroom. <laughs> and his wife, I paid his wife. She's like, you know, just leave it here and go do whatever you're going to do. And you just come back and, you know, when he's there, because I didn't want to talk to him at least. You know, I wasn't going to record anything because I think he doesn't really allow that. But I was like, you know, I at least wanted to have a conversation. I said, you know, um, and I, and, and so he says, he comes back and he signs it. He's like, oh yeah, I remember this book. And he gives it back to me. He says, but first he says, yeah, I did crunches last night. And, you know, everything just kind of came out. And I'm like, 
So my story is that I got Neil Adams right in the right in the moment where he had to go take it up. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, he has massive hands. Huge. Oh, they're huge. It's just like he's got a he's got a great firm handshake, but he's just got those. You know, he's he is not he's not fat, but he's a big man, and and like he is a. And uh, Mike Bailey has talked about how he's had conversations with him where he'll go, 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 and go. And uh, and then we talked for a little bit, and then he noticed Brett's thing, and he was talking to Brett for a little bit. And I said, you know, the, I hit people behind me, so I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, but thank you for signing my books. But he, even in those maybe 30 seconds, the man has a presence. And I totally know what Mike was getting at. But yeah, so that was, but my Neil Adams story involves going to the bathroom. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I've, I've got have one from Emily, mm-hmm. one of the people she definitely wanted to meet. I, I think you may have mentioned it. Did the covers for Gotham by Midnight, mm-hmm. one of our favorite series, Ben Templesmith. Yes. And so she met him, and he was a very dapper, nice-looking. So English. You know, <laughs> suit and thin tie. Yes, yes. Uh, just the, the nicest Englishman you could find. Very charming. Em- yeah, em- Emily said a lot of those horror guys are really nice. <laughs> I, I, I think she ended up buying a print. Oh, that's cool. For, for a friend that's as cool. well. So in addition to having yeah. having him sign stuff. So that was a, a definitely a positive positive uh, interaction yeah. that we had. I um, I don't own anything by him that is in print. I have read 30 Days of Night and I have it digitally. So I, But he was in the book that I was having signed. So that's, that's where I met him. But you're right. He is a very, very charming man. Um, we both met. We, in fact, we ran into each other right around Ron Randall's table. That's right. That's right. And I only had and I only had one comic. It was the New Teen Titan Tales of the Teen Titans fifty five. I had he did uh, a little bit of convergence. Mm-hmm. So I had I think it was JLI, which one? Oh, uh, Catwoman. I can't. Okay. But I had his uh, the one that he had done done for convergence. I had those two, those two issues. And of course, where does the conversation turn? To Trekker into the Sutherlands, who who showed up? Did now? Did you the meet? next day? They showed up the next day, and you didn't see them. No, no. no. But I was but we I, actually we we did contact them to see logistically if we could yeah. work out a way to do it. But it was it, it was impossible because they were at Dragon Con. Yes, and I and and then I was because um, I'm friends with um, I might be friends with Ruth, I'm, I'm, or, or they were posting to a board something, and I saw a picture of them with Ron Randall, and I'm like, did he do two cons in the same weekend? And then I realized, and then I looked, I looked weekend. behind him at the booth. I'm like, no, I know the booth because I was there yesterday. I was like, wow, I'm impressed. Um, I've never, up until I heard the ads for their show, I'd never heard of Trekker. Neither did I. And. Uh, he gave me a. He, it's a really good series, and I, I specifically told him, "I'm a fan of yours because of them." Yeah, I have to. Um, says, I hear that all the time. That's very cool. And what I have to do is I have to maybe track down the first part of it or something to read because he gave me a Trekker postcard, and he drew a little sketch on the back, and I bought this. Um, he was selling like those small prints for about five bucks a piece, and I bought one of. He had one of Supergirl. And it was, it was gorgeous. So I bought that. Uh, the other one that we had a, a another good experience with was Timothy Truman. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we're big fans of the Kents. Oh yes, did that that crossover with with Mike Bailey, and he did a number of those covers. Uh huh. And and some of the uh, interior work as well. Yes. And I had his Hawkworld uh, prestige format series. Uh huh. So uh, Emily had the the uh, the Kents, and we picked up a couple issues of Scout mm-hmm. as well. So his is a big indie you know, self-published yeah. or, or indie book. Yeah. And so we had him sign all that. And, and what was sort of funny about him, he just seemed to have a sense of humor that he was, uh, he would do his signature and it would be part of the part of the cover. Uh-huh. You would make his signature <coughs> in the mouth of a character's mouth. That's, a That's cool. Or, or as part of the design on the monster. Who's That's cool. That's cool. So, he had a sense of humor about it, and and you know I was at, at, at I, I did have to point out, you know, I, you know, we were joking. I I said, uh, Emily, we should cover up that twenty-five cent price tag on this, right? Should shouldn't we do that? And he laughed and said, yeah. Hey, you know what happens? Thirty years, it's going to happen. Did was Ostrander there too? He's been there in the past because um, yeah. I I got his signature on a few things last year and I got to, I in fact I had both him and Tim Truman sign my trade of the Kents, which I had bought for five bucks <laughs> at my LCS after listening to your crossover. Nice. And so, um, I met Joe Staten. Mm, nice. Hi, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, My bag, sweetheart. Looks a little beat up, but uh, a, a friend of mine and I have a podcast, and we covered this recently. Oh, you did? We had a blast talking about this book. It was, it was so much fun, just all these characters that had appeared in, in, uh, in Showcase over the years in one crazy story. So, uh, I, I, get, I, get, I, I get more feedback on Facebook about this book and a, and a Bruce Wayne story. Oh, really? But this is like you know the main thing I ever did. <laughs> the Bruce Wayne story is that the one um, Brave and the Bold, where him and Catwoman. Right. Did? I yeah. love that story. I love that story. So thank you very much for signing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, but people people keep on posting this cover on online. <laughs> it's a it's a great book. It's a great book. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure meeting you. Nice meeting you. I do have a story about J.M.D. Mateus, though. Um, I had him sign the Craven's Last Hunt trade paperback that I have, uh, which is the one of the first, I think it's the first edition of it, uh, from the late 80s. And I said that, you know, honestly, that was the first Spider-Man storyline I ever bought that I remember buying. I'm sure that I bought a few issues of Amazing or Spectacular when I was little, you know, because, hey, Spider-Man. And, he, and I told him I was ten years old, and I was buying GI Joe, and 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 my else the guy Bob at the Amazing Comics was like, you know, this is going to be a big storyline, and and it had part one, part two across the, the three titles. And he, he looks at me, he goes, "Did it scar you?" <laughs> and I said, "No." I said, "I don't think I fully comprehended really what was going on until years later." But I said, "It did stick with me." So that that was my that was my story. Uh, who else did you? Uh, I've got two. I've got a couple more. Well, I want to give. I uh, want to give a shout out to a, a guy I know from around here, and uh, and who I bought something from, Tom Zoller, mm-hmm. uh, who I've met with uh, with Shag. You gotta you gotta say his name. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
But I guess uh, I guess Tom is a, a one of the Kubert School guys, so he knows Shag through Rob. And um, so I went to uh, buy his his indie work, uh, Love and Capes, uh-huh. from him. And uh, the nice thing was, you know, I met him a couple years ago, so we you know, connected a little bit on Facebook and so, and he looked at me and said, you, you know, that's going to cost more than 25 cents, right? <laughs> that's, that was, that's nice. <laughs> so living that's into the brand. But he, uh, I guess in the last year or so, has been uh, absorbed into the My Little Pony world. Oh, okay. writing and drawing one of the My Little Pony books. Mm-hmm. And he is the perfect guy for it. That's cool. In that he's nice, he's friendly. So, you know, the people who are coming up to him were often a seven or an eight year old girl with their mother or grandmother or somebody. And he was just delightful and kind and gave great attention to the kid. Always would ask what your name is and how do you spell that? And then as he was asking how to spell, he'd sort of be looking at the parent. Mm -hmm. And then the parent would, you know, because it was like, I mean, you're a teacher. Yeah. I'm a teacher. You run into some interesting spellings these days. Yes. But I, but I think he was there in one. It was like Stephanie had come up, and somehow Stephanie had two Fs and a Y in her name or something. I wasn't sure, but Tom very patiently and then signed it. So if you're, I imagine that 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 might even be part of the interview process before you get into a world like that. You know, might be how nice a guy are you and yeah. person. Yeah. Well, look at guys like like Franco who was there, and then oh, some of the other kids right, stuff right. who just are are they're like, and the guys who ran that that whole end of the stuff there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so great, and and like I said, you know, I, Brett loved that kid Beowulf book, because, and and oh, I was right. supportive of it because he was the nicest guy that entire time. I didn't have video of it, but if you listen to that clip from the last episode, that entire time he's talking to Brett, except for the end where he's talking to me. And he's he's showing Brett the. It, it, I was just standing there, you know, recording, and and, and I appreciated that because it's like you're under no obligation to be nice to my kid, <laughs> you know, unless you want the sale. But like you know, it's you know, there are some. I, I've heard stories here and there of people who are just not very nice, and I'm like, I haven't encountered them yet. Um. So, uh, my longest line was Dan Jurgens. Yes. And usually, I will with somebody like him who I've met before because I met him a few years ago. I will, like, he was there last year, I think, and I avoided because I was like, you know what, I don't need to stand in line. But Mike Bailey did send me about three or four comics to sign. And they, so Brett and I got in line after we had gotten back from lunch. And um, maybe about five people behind us, they cut the line, they clipped the line. Because I think he had something to go to anyway. I think that's what happened, not to interrupt you. No, it's okay. That's exactly what I'm doing. I think that's what happened to me with Walt Simonson. Yeah. That they were... He was there for a certain period of time, mm-hmm. and they would cut off the yeah. line after X number of people. Yeah, and they so I I never I, I I never made the cut. Yeah, and they limited us to I think ten pieces, and I had three or four comics from Mike, um, maybe a couple of. I know I had a couple of comics. I had Superman versus Aliens number one, I believe. Because I asked him about it, I said how much I liked that series. It was it's one of my all time favorite crossovers, um, and a couple of more. And I talked about how much I liked the recent. I had a couple of recent issues of Action, which I love. 
Um, I love the Superman books right now. Yeah. Absolutely. But I will say, so I gave, I said, I said, do you personalize, you know, cause I was, you know, and he said, yeah. So I said, okay, so my name's Tom, but these three, four are from my friend, Mike. I said, he's been on your, you've been on this podcast before. It's from crisis to crisis. They did. He said, and he goes, Oh, Mike Bailey. <laughs> and I went, yeah, yeah. Mike Bailey. And I said, he'll be really, really happy. He's been wanting to get these signed for a while. He's like, okay. And he wrote two Mike from best Dan Jurgens, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, and it was like, uh, it was great. some of his, it was Superman 75 and a few adventures issues. And I put him back in, and I te- and I and I messaged Mike later. I'm like, "You're known, like he knew your name," and he was just like, "I was like, how you know how awesome this is?" Like, um, and then I found Mike um, when we were later at the uh, one of the retailers. Brett and I were going through one of the fifty cent bins, and these guys had a box of one of those like collector series collector starter kits that they used to sell at like Kmart in the mid nineties. And it's all of these Superman comics from like about 95, 96. And they were selling them for half off the cover price. So they were ended up going for about $6. And I bought it for Mike. Cause I'm like, I think he had mentioned hearing about this and for six bucks, I could not pass it up. So I sent that to him with his comics, but I was like impressed that like Dan Jurgens, this guy whose stuff I've loved for 20 something years knows who Mike Bailey is. I was like, damn. Uh, who else did you, I have one, I have two more people to talk about that we can talk about a little bit about what we bought. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 I did see, uh, I did see Terry Moore. I happen to have so did I. Just, just a little bit of strangers in paradise. And so did I, uh, but I had him, had him sign one of those. I mentioned Jim Starlin and this is one where doing that little database search helped mm-hmm. me. Because I just had the Cosmic Odyssey and a couple of the things that yes. written. And doing that database search, uh, realized or learned, discovered that he had done a couple of Iron Man covers. Oh. Uh, and I didn't know he had done any art. Uh, he hasn't, hasn't done a lot. Uh, but he, he did a couple. And those were books that I had. And it's, yeah. it Because it is a little tricky having the writer's sign. Yes. Just, you know, it's, 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 just, it's just different. So it was, it was nice that I, I had a couple things for him to you know, mm-hmm. open up the trade yeah. you know, and sign by your name where it says writer, but had a couple covers yeah. that he could sign as well. Yeah. I had brought some stuff, but again, it was the line being what it was. And this has been the last few years with him. Maybe next time I go, I will make a determined effort to get his signature because I've always wanted to get Batman number 416 signed. Uh, the cult and... Of all things, because he did the story and art for it, even though he's not the one you'd probably need to get this issue signed by for it to be really valuable, DC Comics Presents number 26, (laughs) which I don't own because it's a Jim Starlin DC Comics Presents issue. It's the preview is of the New Teen Titans. But Starlin did the did the story and art of the Superman part. So I I, I had it with me. Um, I'll get that one point. Yeah. He's another one who's great for stories, uh, from what I remember. Um, Terry Moore, yeah, I interrupted Terry Moore in the middle of a snack, and he was very gracious and signed. And I bought, I bought his sketchbook because um, I felt bad. This was, wasn't very, very expensive, but I am on the. I got the last race at Rachel Rising trade signed, and I am on my continuing on my quest to get all of my Strangers in Paradise trades signed because I have all nineteen of the original trades. So I'm close. I think I got maybe four or five left. And uh, I met Louise Simonson again. 
Uh, yeah, I was, I, I, I was with you for that one. She is one of the nicest people. I, it's incredibly nice. And um, I have that. I, I bought it. I didn't tell her this. I got it off a bargain table at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> it's the DC here, DC Comics Cover Girls um, book, which is basically a coffee table book about women throughout the history of DC Comics. The cover's a Wonder Woman by Alex Ross. Uh, the intro is by Adam Hughes, so I brought that for Adam Hughes to sign. He didn't, because I didn't get him, but she wrote it, so I wanted her to sign it. But I also brought my copy of X-Men, uh, Uncanny X-Men Teen Titans, which her husband had signed, yeah, her husband had signed like four years ago. And I said, you know, you edited this, I'd love you to sign it. And she actually asked me, would you like me to sign it as Jones? Because that was my name when I signed it. I said, no, you can, you can sign it as Simonson. It's, it's okay. But that was, I was just like, wow, that, that's, I would have never thought that, like, you know. Yeah. So, um, but that, that was pretty cool. And, and that's one of those things where, like, that's one of only a couple of things that I have signed by someone who is not either a writer or artist. Um, Larry Hama has now signed my copy of Nom Number 1 because that's what Mike got for me at a Dragon Con. He was the editor. And then Todd Klein has signed all four of my cop of my issues of kingdom come. Cause he happened to be there. A few years was, ago. There, was, there was one other, I, I have a letter story as well. John Workman was there. Oh, that's cool. And I think that it, there was nothing that I took to have just him sign, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there were some of the, some of the other items that may have been like the Jim Starlin, the cosmic odyssey. I had, there's something else yeah. that I had the writer and or the thinker, you know, some combination, and he did the, the letters. So I had him sign those as well. I, of all and, the people, and, and, and I, I did tell him, you better have a really legible signature because <laughs> if you don't, that's going to be a problem, yeah. buddy. I, uh, to be honest with you, if there is one person who, if he was on a list for a convention, I'd circle him. It would be John Costanza. Who I'm pretty sure is still alive. Um, in fact, I think he letters like Looney Tunes, like some of those titles for DC still. Now, granted, you could pull up like three long boxes of comics for him to sign. But I would. I mean, it's like, and, and I would, that is somebody who I would walk up to and try to spend a little bit of time with because it's like you have done so many yeah, I mean, that would have been, you know, the late Adrian Roy fits into that category. Yes, right? yes. Someone whose name was on every comic we mm-hmm. read, every DC comic yeah. that we read in the 70s and 80s, yeah. it seemed like, right? Yeah. So both of us did some shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett and probably I... Probably did more than me. Probably. Um, Brett and I each got a pop figure. He got a BB-8 bobblehead and I got a Nightwing. Yes. And I, I, I saw his BB-8 at lunch. Yeah, he was he was very proud of that. He was really, really psyched about that. Um, we priced a large size Baymax one, and they wanted 30 bucks. I was like, no. I went home, found it on eBay for half that, and it's going to be in his stocking at Christmas. His thing was he bought a couple of trades at the Boom Studios table, and he was, like, really that, excited about that. That looked to be a well-done, well-manned mm-hmm. booth. Yeah. They had it was a good sized booth. They seemed to have always have people there. There were cosplayers yeah. hanging around. Yeah, and I had wanted to go over to the Archie Comics table and pick something up, but I, I got sidetracked. And by that point, we were both like, "Let's go home," or "Let's go get our 
Krispy Kreme and our five guys on. So, um, I got a couple of Marvel essentials and we hit one like, and the trades, it was like five for 20 at some booths and stuff, but I couldn't find anything that I really wanted. And there's more Marvel. You're going to find more Marvel than DC because Marvel overprints trades like crazy. Um, but we did go to one place and it was a dollar comics box and it was full of all of this early to mid eighties DC and Marvel. So I got some justice league. I got some legends crossovers. I got some old supermans and I wasn't looking for them, but I was like, this looks good. This looks good. You know, it's just one of those things like, Hey, this is cool. Brett started flipping through things and he was like, can I get this? And it was like new X-Men by Grant Morrison. I'm like, no, 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 no. But then he starts picking up John Byrne Fantastic Fours and some 70s era Cap and the Falcon. And I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, so so he got he got a few of those. And um, he he was trying to decide between like a, I don't remember what it was. It was a Captain America and like an Iron Man or something. And the Cap cover is one of those classic late 70s Captain America and the Falcon covers. I'm like, go with that. It's probably a lot more fun. Because the Iron Man looked, it looked fun and everything, but I'm like, the Cap comic. In, in our house, it's Team Cap anyway. And he's going as Captain America for Halloween, so. Nice, yeah, nice. So. The only other thing I purchased to mention, I bought a trade from Tom Zoller. Mm-hmm. And then I also uh, wanted to go see, uh, this This was when I specifically saw that, was Billy Tucci. Uh-huh. He had done a, a nativity, a Christmas story. Yeah. A nativity story. And wanted to buy that and have him sign it. And he was nice enough to give us a little audio for Darkness to Light. That's cool. For our, 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 our religious theme show. He did a, and you were listening to. Yeah. Bumper for us. So shout out to him for being a nice guy, too. <laughs> yeah, I had gotten... Like I said, it was I had brought a lot to sign, and the stuff that I bought, like it was, I had a shopping list. I don't think I really filled much from the shopping list, but I was really finding like some really really cool, um, really really cool stuff. Yeah, I, I I did not have time to work my way through the retail, uh, other than to get from one place to another mm-hmm. or when I was lost looking for Ron Mars. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I I was there mostly to get things signed. I'll get if we end up heading back or if do a couple more cons along the way and I don't have the Chaken books and the Starlin books and all these other people that I got stuff signed from this time and, and have fewer things to bring then, then the, the retail side of it becomes more uh, more attractive. Yeah. And it's it, in the past, like I said, it was a whirlwind for me. And um, I don't know if I would necessarily um, always have Brett with me at a convention. Um, I enjoy being with him, but it, or, or I would try to do, I would honestly try to work in a second day right. where I could go by myself and just shop or something like that because. It was kind of like I didn't have 
I, I, I was, we were both flagging by that point. Um, but I was, but we were at the point where we were both like, let's, right. you know, let, let's go. Yeah. And, and you want to, um, you know, but you want to get the most out of it. And, and I was, uh, I, I was excited to find some of the stuff I did. I got like picked up a couple of Batman annuals and you know, like just stuff that I have never read, but I've seen the co- covers endlessly on like Mike's amazing world and, <laughs> and for a dollar a piece. And I think I got some stuff out of the 50 cent bins and, you nice. know, but I didn't like, I didn't fill out my who's who, like I had intended to. And, but there will be other shows and there will be other stores and it's, it's the, the thrill of the chase. And I have so much right now that is in a two read pile that I really don't yeah. need yeah. to keep buying stuff. So that's, that, that's the other thing I'm, I'm trying to, I'm also vamping a little bit cause I'm trying to find the pictures I posted so that I can figure out what the heck I actually hear. Oh, I did. I got, uh, and I, I took two essentials, an X-Factor and X-Men, and a coloring and activity book that they had, what they had done a couple of years ago with the Secret Wars from the 80s was collect all the coloring books in one big oh, trade. And I got that for dirt cheap there because it was like, I think it was in a 5 for 20 booth and I needed something to finish out. So I was like, you know what, I'll do that. Maybe, maybe I'll actually color and do the activities. Um, I got some Legends crossovers, some old Justice Leagues, one of which I have as a, a portfolio folder. Oh, I got two Bronze Age Teen Titans comics nice. for about two bucks a piece. And I was like, they were on my list, $2 a piece for the late 70s Teen Titans. I'm like, that's a good deal. Um, and I think that was about it. I mean, like I said, I didn't buy as much. I bought, um, we each bought a nice print. Uh, there were these travel posters at this one booth that were for different fictional places. So I got, um, he got a Hogsmeade one. And I bought a Springfield, which shows the uh, cooling towers and the uh, donut on the large lad donut sign in Springfield on The Simpsons. And we both looked around at the toys and looked at, like, I showed him some of the old boots of the old Star Wars toys and the Transformers and stuff. And we looked at, like, where people were asking way too much money for certain Nintendo games. And we had a lot of fun looking at some of the retail stuff where it was, like, old stuff that, or, or like, the walls and walls of pop figures that, you know, like pick one. He found the BB-8 like right away. And, and so that was really fun. And then one of the cooler things is that toward the very, very front by the entrance, there was a booth of, and they were always there at that exact location, of people who were selling like really expensive gold, silver, and bronze age comics. And I heard one guy walk up to somebody, one of the guys and go, how much do you want for Amazing Spider-Man number 129? And he was like 500. And the guy was actually contemplating it. I'm sitting there back in my mind. I'm like, my wife would kill me. But on the wall of their booth behind them in slabs, they had extremely old action comics issues. No number one. But I pointed, but like old action to the point where a couple of them did not have Superman on the cover. Like, so two, three, four, like that era. That, that, and so I pointed at one or two of them, and I said, those are really, really old. And I said, they're probably worth a lot of money. He was like, wow. You know, so it was kind of, that was what I, what I liked about it. Um, yeah. So overall, because we're, we're, um, we're, we're wrapping up soon. Um, overall, your impression. The other thing I wanted to mention was sure. that, and this is, the, and this is not at a Dragon Con level, but there were some pretty good cosplayers. Oh yeah, 
yeah. and I ran just just a couple by and again to get Emily's feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Captain Marvel Carol Danvers mm-hmm. that was terrific, and there was a new uh, uh, movie Superman. I Brett and got a picture was, with that guy. He was awesome. Oh, he was he was great. He was I, great with the kids. Yeah, great poses. He he looked like Henry Cavill. Looked like Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, you know, and in terms of the cosplay, this may be a sign of just how old I'm getting, mm-hmm. or maybe just the signs of my maturity and growing uh, social justice sensitivity. But my two favorite cosplayers were a fully covered up Victorian steampunk Harley Quinn. I saw that. That was pretty cool. And a 60-year-old man in an awesome Blackhawk costume. That Blackhawk costume was epic. <laughs> and I, I have a picture of that guy, and he's just standing there. And he, he uh, yeah, he was so proud of that costume. With that guy. Yeah. Um, Baby, Baby Constantine yes. was a great one. <laughs> Um, I saw a couple of Ghostbusters. Most of my pictures are Brett with these people. Um, we were outside the convention, and Brett ran across a group photo, and they got him in there of Kylo Ren, Darth Vader, and two stormtroopers. Uh, there was the Mira had this sea monster, and then there was a dinosaur. Yeah, it was crazy. And then uh, on the way out, we got a guy who was cosplaying as Grand Admiral Thrawn. And this was literally on the way to the parking garage. He was in front of us, and I said, excuse me, I don't mean to bother you, but I've never seen anybody cosplay as Thrawn. Can I get your picture? And he st- and he said, sure, and he stood and he did this sort of, you know, not menacing, but sort of like, you know, admiral sort of look, yeah. And, and But yeah, um, the, the cosplay, you know, I've always been impressed with the cosplayers, and less Deadpools this year, which was very nice. Uh, a lot of Harleys. Well, I, was, I, I expect that. A lot of Jared Leto's. Yes. Yes. Um, which, just to be expected, this was, what, two or three weeks after yes. the movie came out. So, But, yeah, your overall impression, what was uh, – would you do it again? Um, it was good. I yeah. don't know that I'm going to do it and put it in my regular routine of mm-hmm. things. Just not, not Baltimore in particular, but yeah. cons. Mm-hmm. Because it was my first con in a long time. Yeah. And I had a good time. But I'm not sure. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe if I'd bought more stuff. Maybe I, it's if I'd, if I'd you know gotten that the deal stuff done. That was fun meeting. Yeah. Meeting uh, uh meeting creators, having things mm-hmm. signed. Uh, it was fun having lunch with the Panerai boys. <laughs> as best as we could, when we ran into Rick Veach at the uh, online <laughs> at Chipotle, <laughs> that was he, fun. He was. He was behind us and the guy behind us with him or right behind him was the guy who runs the dc in the 80s right uh right. feed and blog and stuff like that because <laughs> i recognize the name um yeah it's i mean i like doing it every year um i i plan financially i plan i just i basically i i just take 20 bucks out every month and put it aside and by the end of the, you know, over 12, that's a lot of money saved aside, but it's just 20 bucks. You know, I spend that much on gas once a week. Um, so it's not like, so, and um, so I have the money, but it, 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 like if I realize that when you've got somebody else or you're meeting somebody else or something like that, it, it is, it did dawn on me at, at one point, I was like, this, I could have done Sunday mm-hmm. had I decided, but yeah, I didn't want to inconvenience no, my whole family. Didn't have the press pass. Mm-hmm. 
and so we thought about and and there was not a like a two day discounty type thing. It was like the three day. It's a three day, day or the one day. Yeah, that we weren't going to go Friday. Yeah, uh, and so there was no way we could. I yeah, I have a reputation. There was no way that the two of us getting yeah. a Sunday ticket that we were going to save so much money. Yeah, that was going to pay for that extra one day ticket yeah in, in the back of my mind i'm like you know maybe one day i'll do a show where or or really focus myself and or, or skew the paris pass and focus on like one a couple signatures and buying things or stuff like that you know but you know, from, from from a logistical standpoint i think my sister's going to be retiring in a couple of years <laughs> her husband so my yeah. free place to stay a half hour from Baltimore may be disappearing I have that next I, year or the year after may that yeah that may happen uh, sooner to, just to uh, make sure I take advantage of that opportunity it was genuinely a pleasure meeting up with you guys though even yeah, though we didn't even, yeah even though it, like it we, 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 we crossed paths multiple times yeah that, that was sort of fun yeah and and, uh, and as somebody who has had to vacation at Disney World with family where you're talking five and one year seven people and my wife would agree with me on this I actually like the fact that we would meet up we'd talk we'd go our, do our thing and stuff because exactly. the thing that Amanda and I can't stand is we call it the amorphous blob of people and it's like where are we going and then like you're the one who's leading this blob of people and like so and I know it's not Disney World but at the same time it, it has it sort of like you can really get disoriented and right. like I, I don't know what I'm doing sort of thing when you're like no you plan this out and that's just me who who I don't panic in crowds but it, it takes me a little bit to get my bearings sometimes yeah, I mean that realistically I, I I wouldn't want to be much longer in a crowd much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. just my, my personality. Yeah. And so, you know, something bigger, even a, a, a hero's. I mean, San Diego's just that, mm-hmm. that. That is off the table totally yeah. for me. I don't um, think I'd want to go to San Diego. Yeah, just even something a little bit bigger than Baltimore yeah. uh, would be. I'd, 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 I'd have to think about that yeah. carefully. I would do heroes if I was um, either here is kind of talked about doing with a couple other people and I would do it. Um, if I had the, the time, the money, the resources that I could do it for more than one day, it's about a four hour drive from here to uh, Charlotte. Um, I could do four hours there and back. I mean, I've done that before, but, um, if I had to, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's all in the planning, but I, I certainly enjoyed it. And, and, and thanks for coming on and just, and having the conversation that we had intended to have, but just got so caught up in everything. No, no, we didn't no, get a chance. Yeah. That that is, it's hard to manage a large, long conversation yeah. when you're in the midst of yes. everything else that you're at the con to do. Yeah. So um, please tell everybody uh, where they can can find you. Most of what uh, we do is at a relatively geeky podcast network, relatively geeky podcast at blogspot.com. That's the Quarterbin Podcast, the Comics Reading Journal, the show I do with Emily, Shortbox Showcase. That is uh, the majority of, of what we do, and we try to get content out three or four times a month. Not an exact weekly release schedule, but pretty close. We're, we're a little like pop culture affidavit. It might. We, release, we release when we have a good episode to release, and you'll like it. That's a great <laughs> way to, to put it. <laughs>
I, I've, I've, I, I release whatever the heck I get off my butt and do an episode. I, we, we, we've talked about this whenever we do an annual, we do like a state of the podcast little uh, little segment uh, for our anniversary episodes. And I say, you know, we, you know, we managed to get out 46, 48, something like that episodes in a year without the pressure of having promised a specific day and date, mm-hmm. which would drive me crazy. Yeah. If I had to release every blank, every Wednesday, every Friday, whatever it is, that would drive. I, 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 I don't have the time. That would drive me crazy. Yeah. Not not having that deadline probably enables us to release more episodes. Yes. Right now, yes. With, without that pressure. Did you mention darkness to light? And you should mention darkness to light. And and then we have a side project that's been going on for about a year or so and. Uh, mentioned it in, in context of Billy Tucci, uh, Darkness to Light, which again, does episodes every month or six weeks or so, where we look at the religious or spiritual aspects in in comic books. So we've talked about the Spectre, we've talked about the Force and the Jedi in terms of Star Wars and items like that. Uh, Kingdom Come, uh, we recently did some episodes with with Michael Bailey. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, this is not the end of the episode. I have some more to talk about. I have some listener email as well. So uh, stick around. I'll be right back. 30 years ago, I walked into a comic store and I picked up G.I. Joe and the Transformers number one. A month later, I came back. They say every journey has a first step. Every story has a beginning. This is mine. I may have begun my comics collecting career in earnest in 1990, but from the fall of 1986 until the fall of 1987, I was a regular at my LCS. So in honor of 30 years of collecting comics, I'll be recapping and reviewing all of them on the days they originally came out. So join me, Tom Panneries, for Origin Story, a podcast miniseries starting this September at popcultureaffidavit.com and twotruefreaks.com. Once again, I'm back. 
Now my convention coverage might be over, but I do have some more stuff for you. Two weeks before the con, Shag was in town once again, and just like last year, he, Stella, and I met up for some comic shopping and Mexican food and recorded quite a bit of our conversation. You'll be able to hear segments of it on the Fire and Water podcast, as well as Batgirl to Oracle, so I suggest you head over there to get some more of our conversation. Now our topic for my show, well, not finding your joy, as Shag is fine of saying, but, well, we're going to talk a little bit about what we dislike about nerd culture. So, I'm here, I don't know what episode this is going in or where it's going in, it's going in somewhere. I get it released in 2019. Yes, it will be, as part of my outtake show. Um, I'm here at, this is, this, is, uh, this is the sequel that no one demanded. We did this last year. So, this is the, uh, this is the Mannequin 2 of, of podcast episodes. And Electric here, Boogaloo. Yeah. I'm here with Shag. What's up? And Stella. Remington. You know, there's only a few people in the world that understand that. But, but here's the thing: we've been hanging out for the last going on four hours now. Oh, and uh-oh. she's only mentioned Remington once. Uh oh. Four hours is his. He's limit reached his threshold. Him. That's yeah. why he's. That's why he's collapsing. <laughs> yeah. He's reached his threshold. This is it. Anyway, she and I have been together for an additional two hours. God. Um, we're, uh, I can go longer than you. We're having, I don't know in what order this will be released in, but I will tell you that if you want to hear more of this conversation, <laughs> oh, I'm never going to get through this. I'm so sorry. You made it And I was trying to say that I was turning. So you know what I realized, Tom? She plays the Thank part. Thank you, good night. She plays the part of this innocent little, you know, nice girl. Yeah, we forget she watches Game of Thrones. She's oh. she's got a deviant side, folks. If I this tried was, to explain if it. She's if you could see her yeah. tears, she's wiping from her eyes yeah. from how deviant her her miming behavior has been this miming. evening. Miming. Okay. Stella was making obscene gestures there while was I was not. talking. So it's just like being in the classes that I was teaching today. <laughs> anyway. I don't know when this is. I don't know when it's coming out. I don't know when it's coming out in relationship to your two podcasts. You want to hear the rest of this conversation? Go over to one of the shows on the Fire and Water Network. Probably Fire and Water podcast, right? Or this isn't that? going on my network. No, no, no the rest of this conversation. Oh. You have a segment, not this. Wow. If you guys and pay me enough, sure. Yeah. Oracle, you'll hear more of what we're talking about here. But our so really, sp- it's, it's on the Two True Freaks Network. It's on the BatmanUniverse.net, and it's on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Yep. And none of them will thank us for this. Um, Except for mine, because this is the podcast that celebrates everything random in the world of popular culture. And Shag has a saying that a lot of us have adopted because it is, believe it or not, a great saying. And now he is just, he's taking all the credit. And I hate to give him credit. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm really, really sorry. I know you're groaning because you're the only person listening right now. Bailey, I think, just swallowed his tongue from biting down on it so hard. But, um... The saying is, find your joy. We're not going to be finding our joy right now. We're going to be finding our hate. 
Yes, let the hate flow through you. You want this. So, yeah. So, we're going to have a short discussion about things that we just don't like. Because honestly, a lot of the stuff I cover is stuff that I genuinely enjoy. There's very rarely something that I that I don't like or I find not worth my time. Maybe that weird world's finest issue I reviewed back. But, um, which really wasn't very good. But... Um, I'm gonna start with Shag because Stella's too busy doing some sort of weird. She's doing the lawnmower. Yeah, oh no, she's, she's doing the grocery shop. Grocery, grocery cart is what she's doing right now. So I don't know something something that you can't stand, something you actively avoid. Well, this is not gonna go down too well with your listening audience, but it's you have okay. like, I have like two listeners. You identify one of them by name, <laughs> and this is not gonna go down well with that listener. Um, Mike, forgive me, but. I can't stand most of the live action. And for, let me let me start by saying this: I'm a parent. I have two children, one who's 16, one who's 10, and I have watched a lot of children's television with them. <laughs> and again, with all apologies to Mr. Bailey and his family, I can't stand the live action television shows on the Disney Channel. They drive me. Nuts. Now, I'm not. I'm not making a comment on the quality of whether they're actually good or not. Just personally, I can't sit in the room. I want to take a fork and poke out my own eyes. Um, with the exception of the one that Dove Cameron's on, because you know she's kind of cute. Um, I think she's over 18. We're just going to pretend she is. You should probably cut all this part out. Anyway, I will. Most of the shows on the Disney Channel are just painful, like Wizards of Waverly Place. Again, I know people enjoy it. I can't. Preach it. Um, Preach it. You guys like... Feel the You guys like Gravity Falls. Isn't that Disney? Yeah. I can't sit in the room. That's not live action. That's cartoon. But I can't sit in the room when it's on. And it's probably because some of the times my children get on my nerves. And the shows they like, then therefore get on my nerves. But, uh, I mean... Any you can name off, you know, Dog with a Blog. You can name off uh, 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 Good Luck Charlie. All I don't think I've sat through any of the shows, but I've seen the commercials and I've been like, what the heck am I? I my daughter's like, Daddy, you watch this with me? I'm like, no, I won't, honey, but I love you. You know, uh, those types of shows. The Now, Nickelodeon, however, has produced a lot of live action shows I've enjoyed, like uh, iCarly, honestly. I, re I even read a thing with Brian Michael Bendis where he compared it to a modern day Brady Bunch. It's that good of a, a well-put-together family show. iCarly's freaking hysterical. And I watched them again recently with my daughter, and it's very enjoyable. But it's, it's a difference between, it seems like, Nickelodeon's programming and Disney programming. And Tom's looking at his watch, so I'll wrap my statement no, up. No, no, it's okay. It's a, it's a habit of mine. You have to remember, I taught five classes today. I kept looking at my watch until the time was. Um, yeah, I, I, and this is coming from somebody who watched, willingly watched, Saved by the Bell, <laughs> which, if you really think about it, that's a really low bar, Tom. Is to blame mm. for a lot of these shows. That's true. I'll give you that. Kind of set the formula. Yep. I can't, and I'm glad that Brett, Brett's not into that stuff. Maybe he may never even be. Um, he's still watching stuff like Lego Star Wars and. Um, so uh, I just want to wrap up cartoons. By saying it is not a commentary on people who like those shows, mm. it is not a commentary on no. whether those shows are, shows are good or bad. They're just not for me. Stella. When do you think this place closes? Nine. Did you check? Yeah, it was on. Okay, the floor. I just wanted to be sure. 
Um, we'll probably be done by 8.30. And that's what she hates. I'll Restaurants are closing on. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, I'll say money. You can tell me if it's not pop culture. Because I'm... Could, it may be not be. I'm going to stay in the same vein of my other uh, little thing with shipping. So Can't stand shippers? Well, I can't either. Excuse me. <laughs> so two things that I don't like is... That was um, a teacher voice. Excuse me. When they pair up two characters and like in a romantic context when they should not be paired up in a romantic okay. context, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And oftentimes, for whatever reason, it... Well, I guess one that bothers me a lot happens to be like a same-sex one, and I'm I'm all for LGBT characters and stuff. It's nothing like that, but whenever I see things like Dinah, Lance, and Barbara Gordon, and like tried to make a romantic relationship out of that, oh, it just like forcing it bothers it? me. Someone posted that picture on your Facebook recently, and you got mad. Oh well, that was Stephanie and and Cassandra. Oh, and I'm like, oh, that seems a little weird. And they've done that with other. Yeah. women couples in the DCU before they've hinted around it. Well, give us, give us a, since this is pop culture, give us a reference to like on a show or something where they put two characters together legitimately and you think it was wrong to do. Oh. Are you just saying you don't like it when people ship it that way? Is that what you mean? Uh, yes. Okay. So like for instance... So why, why is your shipping more legitimate than their shipping? Well, those were, are like they're supposed to be romantic partners. Okay. Whereas, like, Barbara and Dinah are not romantic partners. They have their, like, other partners to go with. Like, Dinah's got, you know, Ollie and that. And I think they're they're making, like, this sisterly relationship, with it, which I think is really beautiful, into something that it's not. And that's something that bothers me. Um, I don't know. Like, Elsa and Anna. I don't know if, like, people have tried <laughs> But They're see, like, sisters. that was... I know, I know, but so, I think there's... All right, well, let's... Because I'm going to keep... I'm not going to let you just get away with it. Okay. Um, if, a lot of those, I think, are just done for the cheesecake sexual yeah. deviant artwork. Uh-huh. So if you can take this, the cheesecakey sexual deviant artwork out of it, are there... Can you come up with some examples where people have shipped two people together in an LGBT lot? I added a Y on there, didn't I? Anyway, way. Well, you. I think you meant to way. say way. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, no. So it's just. But I mean, the the Barbara and Dinah thing comes from like a comic panel, because when if you remember the Hunt for Oracle storyline, and when Dinah finally finds out that yeah. Barbara Gordon, and yeah. she's like, "Just call me Babs," and like if you take out the bubble, like yeah. she's laying it, it's almost like the Pieta almost. And like you know, cradling her, you know, Michelangelo's and Jesus. No, no, I know what you're talking about. But anyway, but people like take that and they're like, oh, look at this. Did we have this conversation (coughs) once before? Uh, maybe. Because I remember hearing that like that exact conversation about taking the word balloon away, how that panel looks. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, no, I think you said that on my Who's Who, <laughs> actually. But anyway, you know, that's something that it, you know, I can get over it, but it just, I, I, you know, I don't know. Another thing, if I could add on to still with shipping, is certain characters just like falling into bed all the time with other mm. people. Dick Grayson? I think Dick Grayson is one of them. Tom Draper. It is his um, first name. Yeah, I know. Bruce Wayne, you know, I think the New 52 did some really terrible things with some of the characters. Like Bruce Wayne, I think, with Catwoman, like, let's leave the, what was it, let's leave the mask on, I think was the. It was not like the first issue. It was the first issue, and then Dick Grayson had sex on a plane the first issue. So, I don't know. Yeah, we found that out, yeah. Which one are you thinking of? Well, Black Canary's. She's fallen into bed quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, One time she did a Mrs. Robinson. 
with the Ray, yeah. who was probably, I don't even know if he was 18 at that point. Mm. <laughs> and she was, yeah. you know, at that point, a older established hero. So. Yeah. I guess it just means more to me if the relationship has some sort of backing to it and we've seen it build and yeah. then, you know, it happens rather than just like, let's slap it down on the page. So those are two things that bother me. Both in comics, I guess. <clears throat> I, um, I just can't stand what I guess we would consider top 40 country music. It's just, it goes back to, it, it's a long story. It goes back to this, the music my dad listened to, which I can't stand. I have nothing against my father in that regard. I just, I just don't like it. My students who, a lot of the students I never prepared for don't listen to it like crazy. And so we're talking Keith Urban. Yeah. And so, so we're not talking like Johnny Cash and, and, and old, older country music but it's just I, I can't it's just like one genre of music that I just I I, I can't deal with it <laughs> and I, I can't explain why without going on a long long rant so I'll, I'll just be civil and I'll say no but thank you for uh, for coming on for this short segment um, and uh, I don't know where I'm gonna put this but obviously there'll be a break in this point and then I'll be back with some more so thank you guys and, uh, Moving on. Sawete. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. I'm back with a little bit of listener feedback. This first is a long Facebook comment from Gore Tolton that I wanted to read because it's about episode 17 of the 80 Years of DC Comics miniseries, which was the Westerns episode. Gord writes, I just listened. And though you apologize for not being Western aficionado, it didn't show in your rendition. Well, thank you very much. Very good and complete show. I'm a Western enthusiast. Also did Halloween as Lone Ranger. And in fact, I work a Western historian of matters along the American and Canadian border and such. It's interesting. As that, and as a museum program educator to children, I do immerse myself in Western pop culture such as movies, TV, novels, and naturally comics. All those DC stars you mentioned, as well as Marvel's Rawhide Kid, Colt, K. 
Kid Colt, Two Gun, and Knight slash Ghost Rider, along with Charlton's lines such as the Cheyenne Kid, counted to me as barbershop comics, the ones that they would lay there when you're sent to get your hair cut, because the barber wouldn't be called dead putting out Men in Tights comics. <laughs> Interesting. War and Westerns, you'd see. Mainly comics for, manly comics for a manly business, I suppose. I get that. As far as Jonah, I have an unusual story about him. I hated DC's horror comics and avoided like them like the plague. When I first saw Weird Western, I thought Jonah Hex was just another horror comic host, like Cain, Abel, The Witching Hour, Witches, or Death Himself in Weird War Tales. For years, I avoided that title just because of that prejudice. When I finally did clue in, I was astonished at what I was missing. There was nothing like Kid Colt, where shooting the gun out of the opponent's hand could have been a drinking game. <laughs> Jonah's gritty, dirty, comp- compromised, and as far as I could tell, real. It's no wonder that he serves as the doorway to DC's West. I also love that he is aware of the DC Universe. I've led an interesting life, as he said in the Justice League cartoon. Sad he didn't get a better movie, though I love the twin Gatling guns on the horse and the crossbow loaded with dynamite bolt. But his appearance on Legends of Tomorrow put that movie out of my mind. I look forward to more of Jonah in the Berlantiverse, and definitely more Jonah Hex comics. Well, thank you for your uh, your comment, Gordon. And um, I'm glad somebody who had some experience with Western comics was able to to comment and, and shed some light on some stuff. Um, I liked your story about the barbershop comics. It's really just, I, I love little things like that. There were certain things. I remember going to the barbershop. There were certain magazines like Rolling Stone. There was a lot of Rolling Stone at the barbershop where I used to go to. So I would read a lot of those articles uh, there as a kid. Finally, I do have one email. It's about the finale episode of 80 Years of DC Comics. That's where Shag and I uh, covered showcase number 100. It's not signed. Um, there's, there's no. It says it's from anonymous. I'll read it anyway. Dear cranky old man, I was pretty disappointed with how Stella was treated in this particular episode. Both you and Poo Poo Head Shag rake her across the coals, and no defense of her brilliance and kind nature is to be found. Think of all the amazing things she has done for you. I hope that you find it in yourself to apologize to Stella and treat her better on coming episodes. People will not think less of you if you decide to come clean about your mistakes. I will certainly think more of you. I hope you make the right choice. Anonymous. Nice try, Stella. And that's about it for this episode. I'll be back in a few weeks with some new stuff. And don't forget that on September 30th, I'll be starting Origin Story. Until then, check out the blog and don't forget to leave me feedback where you can. And as always, take care and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit. All clips and media are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review at illustrative purposes only, so no infringement is intended. Feedback can be sent via email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. For more content, including show notes, media, and essays, be sure to check out the blog, which can be found at popcultureaffidavit.com. This podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. 
You can support all the Two True Freaks podcasts by using the Amazon.com link at twotruefreaks.com whenever you shop. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit and come back next time for more pop culture randomness. Say, 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 say,